Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So there's been a lot of talk this week about news, perhaps of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard taking over NXT going forward into this new colourful era on the former, now soon to be former, black and gold brand. But as usually is the case with this sort of information, it's slowly formed into something else. We've got more news dropping by the day and it doesn't seem like they're specifically going to have like a hands-on input into what's going down like week to week. So that's a good thing. But make no mistake about it, change is coming. We're going to get a wedding next week. There's been a big number one contenders match set up. We've got a title match and perhaps this could be the last we ever see of this version of the CWC, which is all we can hope and pray for. Also, I'm hearing a lot of stuff through the grapevine about some guy called Cole showing up on this weird little show in Chicago. Never heard of him. Hope he does well. But now we've got all that out of the way, I am Gareth here from What Culture Wrestling. These are the ups and downs for NXT. And my God, is it hot in the UK today. So if you see some sweat, get over it. Look, I already said this in the intro, I understand, but it does feel like this might be the last ever time that we see the CWC in its current format, in all of the plexiglass and gold and eagles and all the weird stuff that it's turned into. If that is the case, that's getting up, because we need a change. We desperately need a change. But before we could get carried away with all that, we did have a match straight away. It's the best way to start an NXT, in my personal opinion. We had Ember Moon taking on Kaylee Ray, and of course, this match got an up. Because the little storyline coming in was the fact that Ember Moon is not in the best vein of form currently she's lost a tag team partner who's doing really well over on Friday nights they're really good at this and then Kaylee Ray's just come into this division and said I want to batter everyone so I might as well go for one of the, the biggest fish in this black and gold pond so I'm going to go straight for Ember Moon I'm going to kick her ass and honestly the styles meshed perfectly because you had Ember Moon pulling out these high octane super athletic moves seriously we need to remember just how incredibly insanely athletic Ember Moon is because some of the stuff she did in this match she did like a top rope code breaker thing at one point and I was like this woman, she can still go. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you had Kaylee Ray, who was pretty much single-mindedly trying to rip off Ember Moon's arm. There was a point where she like yanked it on a rope. She just started putting her in like cross arm breakers. She is a savage. You also had Kaylee Ray popping out this incredible tornado DDT that just made Ember Moon flip inside and out and all over the place. And then Ember Moon did like her version of Santos Escobar's Phantom Driver thing as well. So she was just pulling out moves that I've never seen her do. But in the end, there could be only 
only won, and after this little transition pinning attempt thing on the floor, Kaylee Ray managed to get Ember Moon up into a gory bomb out of nowhere, got the win, so she has got this big notch on her belt, but we've got to talk about Ember Moon. Because right now it doesn't feel like she's got much of a direction, and then later on in the night she had a backstage interview and she was like, I don't like where I'm at right now, I'm going to go away and have a think about my attitude, probably come back and be a heel. She didn't explicitly say the last bit, but you've got a feeling that's where she's got to go, because this version of Ember Moon, she's not delivering the goods. We had Pete Dunne, Ridge Holland, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch backstage getting prepared. The latter two at least getting prepared for an NXT Tag Team Championship match later on in the main event of the evening. That was going to happen. They were going to reclaim the belts that they never lost. Or were they? Oh yeah, then Pete Dunne pretty much just told the lads to go and end MSK. Don't worry about the belts. Just, just go and kill them because Pete Dunne's that kind of guy. And when it comes to these kind of off-site vignettes, I'm going to do what I always do on NXT Ups and Downs. I'm going to combine them in all together because I don't like jumping back and forward in and out like NXT just make us do week after week after week. So we did have the Bachelorette and Bachelor parties for Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis, respectively. And... This is going to come as a bit of a shock, but your boy, your boy liked it. It's all getting up. Actually, you know, like's a bit of a strong word. It just did what it needed to do for me, for this whole angle, and got me a little bit invested for a wedding next week in WWE. What a world, what a world we're living in. Now, I will admit that the bachelorette party didn't really have as much spice and flavour as the bachelor party because it was just pretty much a group of people brought together kind of against their will just to sit there and clap and smile at Indy Hartwell. And I really loved Cora Jade's foreshadowing line, just brilliant just dropped in there that this is a WWE wedding it's not going to go to plan so I tip my cap to you Cora Jade you actually watch the product but then at the end of that bachelorette party and Hartwell was like oh Candice have you still got your spying gear let's go spying they were like okay because that's what true love's all about spying the bachelor party was pretty awesome I've got to say it because like we got in the limo straight away you have the zombie referee from Dexter Loomis's past like are they buddies now is he just like a an ally Apparently so. Also, yeah, Cameron Grimes show up and he was paying for not only the bachelor party, but apparently the whole wedding just for banter, even though him and Dexter Loomis used to have a thing. They, they were enemies for a long time, but he was like, oh, let's let bygones be bygones, man. I'm going to give you all my money just because love. And that pretty much encompassed all the dudes that were involved in this big bachelor party thing that took them everywhere from go-karting, axe-throwing, to laser tag. Like, I was a little bit upset that I didn't get an invite, but you know, we'll just, we'll let it go, we'll let it slide because I've got a job to do. In the end, though, this was all leading to the moment where Johnny Gargano finally felt that he could trust Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis had earned that trust through laser tag and helping him throw an axe and, like, helping him win the race and the go-karting. That was all leading up to this point. They were like, oh, we're going to be friends together. The way is the family. We trust you now, Loomis. And Loomis just did a weird little look kind of towards the camera that made me think, uh, stuff's going to hit the fan, isn't it, next week? We might get that little Dexter Loomis heel turn. Or there could be a massive swerve and we could get Indy Hartwell turning heel on the way. That could happen as well. But just out of nowhere, I suddenly give a damn about all this stuff and I kind of want to see what happens next week. So you got me. You got me, NXT. What can I say? I'm going to put my hands up. You got me. Carmelo Hayes taking on Santos Escobar in a one-on-one -on -one match. And obviously with the people that are involved in this kind of singles encounter it's always gonna be an up little backstory behind this one it was just the fact that these two had, had a bit of a stare down really backstage and Santos Escobar wasn't happy about the fact that Kamala Hayes has a chance now to cash in a title shot against anyone he said don't get him a North American title he was like why not and he was like right I'll fight you again I really like the clash of styles because you had Carmelo Hayes just flipping springboarding he flipped out of a pinning attempt at one point and went straight into a super kick I've never seen that in my life and that was just incredible and then to go up against this you had Santos Escobar who can pretty much do it all he's a luchador he can do all the high flying top rope hurricane runners like we saw in this match but then equally he can pummel you into the ground and make you one with the canvas 
But to be honest, it did look like for a moment Kamala Hayes was just potentially going to have too much for the former Cruiserweight champion. He went for his over-the-top rope apron DDT thing onto the apron, but then when he landed on the outside, something a little bit unexpected happened. Because instead of Legado del Fantasma's Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde getting involved and beating up Kamala Hayes and throwing him back in the ring, we didn't get that. Instead, we got Electra Lopez pick him up, power slam him straight onto the floor, then she rolled him in, he got Phantom Driver and Santos Escobar won the whole thing because that was always bound to happen. But I know the numbers game thing is a bit of a stale trope in WWE because it just seems to happen every single week on every single show at this point. But here, it kind of worked. It kind of subverted what I thought was going to happen. Made Electro Lopez look like a massive force of nature. And Santos Escobar looked like he really has to depend on the people that are around him right now to win any match. And Carmelo Hayes, it gives him an out because he probably would have won the match if it wasn't for the interference. So all this, it worked a treat for me. Malcolm Bivins given a bit of an introduction to the Creed Brothers, a bit of an official introduction this week in the Diamond Mine Gym thing. He was like, these guys, Brutus, Julius, they're really big. They've got loads of credentials when it comes to wrestling. If you get in the way, you'll probably get flattened, as we'll see later on. Oh yeah, and then William Regal made an announcement about the NXT Championship. He said that we are obviously going to need to crown a new number one contender for the belt. So what we're going to do, we're going to get all those people that came down to the ring the other week and started going, oh, I want your belt, Joe. We're going to put those in a big fatal four-way. So we're going to have Kyle O'Reilly taking on LA Knight, taking on Pete Dunne, taking on Tommaso Ciampa. And my only real issue with all of this is where in the hell is Cameron Grimes? I mean, that guy just beat LA Knight like a couple of weeks ago and he's not involved in this match. He's not a contender. Doesn't make any sense. But that aforementioned Creed Brothers match was on the horizon. It was our next thing that we were going to have here. And, well, not only is this going to get my yellow highlighter of the week, I just move out of frame because that's what I do now. It's going to get this, but we're also going to step back into my favourite place in the whole world. It's coming. <laughs> Taking on the team of Chucky Viola and Paxton Avril, these boys can seriously go because Brutus very nearly killed them both in the first 10 seconds. He threw them over the top rope, then we got Julius involved, and the Spring Onions started losing all their structure like my mind did. Because Julius got slapped in the face to get tagged in straight away, so I thought this, this is bad news forever this team are facing. And then they just proceeded to slam their opponents into each other, and then Julius did like a running tackle, like a running spear tackle into the floor, clotheslined the head off. I can't remember which person was getting beaten up at this point because I was just blinded by the Creed Brothers. They won the match, and I'm scared for everything. Obviously, it's going to get a juicy squash. This doesn't produce any juice that I know of, but this is all I had in my fridge. But it's going to get a juicy squash, and I'm terrified for the rest of that NXT Tag Team division because these boys ain't messing around. <laughs> We have one of those hit row vibrant studio promo things that they do so well. They cut a bit of a rap and just really go at it down the lens. And pretty much the long and short of it is the fact that they're not happy with Legado and everything that happened with them a couple of weeks ago. They want to beat up Legado, understandably. So I think we're probably going to get a B-Fab versus Electra Lopez match. Hopefully we finally get Swerve against Santos Escobar part. 1200 at this point. I'm not sure how many matches they've had. And then maybe we just throw in another tag match, like a four on four match later down the line as well. This has still got some legs to go. I like that they're starting to slow bleed it again. We had an NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match up here because we had Io Shirai and Zoe Stark defending their belts, probably for the first time, I believe, since they won them against the KCs. Caden Catanzaro. No, it's Casey Catanzaro and Caden Cat. There's a lot of K's, a lot of C's. I got confused, but it's obviously going to get an up. 
Again, a really simple story here. The fact that the champions just don't get along, even though they're two separate, really talented individuals. And then you got the challengers who are best buddies with all the chemistry. Yay! I really like the opening stretch of this match because everyone just started flipping. They were like, I'm going to flip, you're going to flip, we're going to flip at each other and then stare at each other like superheroes and we'll tag somebody else in then we'll flip again. And then it started getting a little bit strange because Io Shirai just refused to tag in Zoe Stark. She was like, nope, I got this. I'm going to do it myself. And she put Caden Carter in a corner, split her legs on the turnbuckle and then cold breaking her. There was a lot of cold breakers on this show, to be honest, but this one was very unique and brutal. And it got to a point where Io Shirai's stubbornness and arrogance to say that she could just win the match all in a tod really started going against her. And then before long, Zoe Stark just tagged herself in for a bit of a hot tag and batted everyone. But there was a bit more drama because then accidentally, Zoe Stark banged straight into Io Shirai. And then it looked like Caden Carter hit something resembling his sister Abigail out of nowhere. And I was like, is that some kind of strange nod there to Bray Wyatt? What is happening? Is he going to turn up? Probably not. But despite a weird elevated splash thing where Casey Catanzaro was on top of Kagan Carter's shoulders on the top rope. They did that. Despite that, Zoe Stark was able to hit the flipping knee thing that she does and then the moon over moon salt landed so the champions retain their belts against all the odds. But there was more after this because as Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro had made their way up the rank, they got jumped by Mandy Rose, now sporting a new facial mask because remember she got a face, she got a face smashed in so everyone has to wear a big face mask whenever they have any facial injury in WWE. Gigi Dolan was there as well, JC Jane, they were helping out they were beating him up and it just looks like we've got another very simple tale here mandy rose is annoyed and very maniacal at this point they just want to dominate they want to be at the top of the pile when it comes to all things women's wrestling in nxt so to do that they need to win the belt so they're gonna make an example out of the kcs and go straight after Io Shirai and zoe stark excited for the match not excited for more mask shenanigans and Mandy Rose just getting hit in the face a lot. Kyle O'Reilly had a little promo thing where he was like sat in a ring, very similar to what Edge did a couple of months ago when he was just being really broody in the ring and staring down at people. He talked about his failed title shots and the fact his friendship had just exploded, but he was like, I'm going to close that chapter on my life now. Shut, it's done. And now I'm going to go after the NXT Championship, but not because I want the belt. The belt doesn't mean anything. It's what the belt represents. And that's being the very best. So Joe, I'm coming for you. Oh yeah, then we had Jesse Kamea and Frankie Minnet just slagging off pretty much this whole wedding thing that's going to happen just laughing at the the wedding dress and the invites and oh, that's terrible and then Robert Stone came into frame and he was like you know you're not going to worry about this wedding because you've got a big match next week now you're going to have to fight for the NXT Women's Championship against Raquel Gonzalez that's going to happen Frankie and Frankie was buzzing she was like yes brilliant this is just what the brand needs to overshadow a wedding and I've actually sort of got my fingers crossed that that does happen because yeah I want I want the title match to overshadow the big Silly soap opera wedding. Yes, that's what we all want. Finally, we had Mei Ying's first ever match in NXT and something rather strange is happening. Of course, we're going to give it an up because it did what it needed to do. But I think for the first time in NXT, we're going to do another one of these. Yeah, we're bringing back the onions, because again, it's all I've got. But it was a squash, and it was a juicy squash, because Mei Ying looked very dominant. She was using a whole different, diverse array of chops and chokes to get the job done. There was a point where the woman she was against, Virginia Ferry, got her in a sleeper hold, and she just, like, reanimated herself like a zombie would do, coming back from the dead to get out of it, and it was a little bit creepy, a little bit terrifying. But she got the job done with, like, a single-handed choke that was a bit underwhelming, I've got to admit. She, like, chokes to the floor, but she won the match. That's all that matters. I am a little bit worried going for because I'm not sure what WWE are going to do with these sort of gimmicks now in the future because like long gone are the days of The Undertaker being all creepy and Kane and people like that. Bray Wyatt got fumbled, Karrion Cross has sort of got fumbled. I feel like this will get fumbled if it goes to the main roster as well but fingers crossed she does well because this onion stinks. <laughs> 
LA Knight in a car just going around a city saying that he was going to be the new champion because he's LA Knight even though he shouldn't be in the match in the first place because he lost against Cameron Grimes. That was the thing. And then we had Tommaso Ciampa sat in a chair being all scary and intimidating saying that number one, he's going to beat up Pete Dunne. That's the first objective. He's going to kick his ass. And number two, he wants Goldie back. I got shivers. I got chills. You got chills. We all got chills. Please let him get Goldie back. And then just like that, it was time for the main event of the evening. We did have MSK taking on the champions that never lost their belts, only Larkin and Danny Birch. And this is a clash of styles. Again, we've had a lot of this over this show. It was a wrestling heavy show NXT this week and I love it. I adored it. But this match is getting up. 140 days MSK have been champions, but for some strange reason, like the commentary team just keep going on about the fact that they've not got any respect as champions. I respect them an awful lot. We've seen the people that they've beaten since they've won these belts. I mean, even before they won these belts, like these lads are pretty damn good. And again, they proved they're pretty damn good in this match. Because instead of throwing caution to the wind and just being high-flying lunatics for the most part, which has been a pretty successful tactic, I must say, when it comes to MSK, they decided to match Danny Birch and Oni Larkin when it comes to physicality. I never thought I'd say those words, but it happened. Well, I say it happened. Every time Nash Carter and Wesley just started to kick and punch and really lay in all their shots on these lads, they, they got a bit brassed off and isolated them and just pulled them into the corner and started beating them and chopping them. Some of the chops in this match, like I feel like I'm saying this week after week after week, but the sounds were piercing my eardrums. Again, it's not a massive hot take, but Nash Carter's probably one of the best babyface underdog people just when it comes to getting beaten up in a match that we've got when he does get isolated and brawled and just absolutely crumbled into the floor. I believe it. I feel sorry for him. When he flips out of it and starts getting a comeback on, I love it. Before long, MSK were whacking out the usual tricks, though. He had the assisted moussant, which is just magnificent every single time they do it. Then they started diving to the outside, and it looked like they had the advantage. And then out of nowhere, Only Larkin and Danny Birch just whacked on two submissions on these dudes in the middle of the ring. Only Larkin had an ankle lock on, Danny Birch had a cross face, and it looked like we were going to get some tapping. But no, we did not. They managed to wiggle out of this position, and then Counter just launched Only Larkin into the turnbuckle. He then hoisted him up for that flipping netbreaker thing that MSK do for their finish. And of course, they won the match and it wasn't that much of a shock but it was a great match it's another experienced notch on their belts when it comes to MSK and hopefully this is all leading to that grizzled young veterans rematch down the line because I need it to hook it into my veins but that wasn't even the biggest takeaway coming out this match no no we had more more post-match drama because looking very pissed off about the fact that his team his unit had lost another match obviously Rich Holland lost a match the week before Pete Dunne just turned to Rich Holland and like nodded at him like go on do it and and he just started beating up everyone he beat up. Danny Birch, Pete Dunne then beat up Only Larkin, and then like Rich Holland beat up Larkin, and then he beat up Birch, and there was just a lot of physicality and beating up and breaking up of the Goon Squad. Oh, it's only been a couple of weeks, but the Goon Squad is over. No idea what this means for Pete Dunne now going forward. Is that just him and Holland now? Are they the unit? Are they a duo? Which I think will kind of work. I like that dynamic of Pete Dunne being the kind of guy that can get the job done on his own, but he's got a nice insurance policy there and a big old Yorkshireman. And then Only Larkin and Danny Birch, are they now just turn into de facto baby faces like this division this tag team division is heavily stacked as we know but i'm a little bit concerned because i feel like they may get lost in the shuffle this faction was their only real way of staying relevant you could say in nxt i may be getting way ahead of myself though for now so let's just drink in the fact that we've had another dramatic finale for nxt and in general this is getting a massive up obviously because just look down i do not believe we have a down. <gasps> what a shock. What a life. Oh, um, because I've completely forgot and I'm a bit of an idiot. We've not done a Garganometer this week. So we're going to bring it up, the Garganometer. We're going to pop a 77% on it for the lovely moment that Dexter Loomis adjusted Johnny Gargano's axe before he threw it. 
That was the moment. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.